I live in a home with my husband and for the first couple of years we managed to get on all right with the HOA in the neighborhood. We are members due to it being a requirement of living here and we knew that it meant following rules we might not agree with. So we comply with everything and I'll admit that the vast majority of the rules are not unreasonable. I feel like even in horrible HOAs most of the rules can make sense and it's just either some of them are out of control or they are getting interpreted incorrectly by the HOA board. I'm not gonna lie and say that my property looks gorgeous or anything like that, I have a lot of trees that make the area look like a little forest dense and I have full awareness of that. At the same time, none of the trees on my property are dead or have branches that are heavily overgrown or anything, and it's perfectly legal for me to have a property like that and it does not even break the HOA bylaws. The front of the property does not even have many trees, so the front door and the house number are perfectly visible. It doesn't matter to the HOA because they don't like the trees and want us to remove them. One actually came up to me and tried to argue with me about getting them removed. HOA member, the back of your house just looks like a jungle. There's almost no sun getting on the ground there. Nobody else has their property with all of those trees and it just looks ugly to be honest. Me, those trees were there long before I even moved into the house. So first, can you stop acting like I did something horrible? Second is that I told the other person from the HOA on the phone already. Basically, if you can show me a rule that directly states I cannot have a certain number of trees or that a certain percentage of my property needs direct sun, I will remove them. Otherwise though, just leave me alone. HOA guy, there's no rules stating those exact things. But there are rules about a yard needing to look neat and the house not to be turned into a dump. Me, none of the trees are dead or overgrown. There are just a lot of them. If a branch was dying or overgrown, we would get it pruned. There's no reason for us to remove the trees. As far as the sun goes, I actually appreciate that I can sit outside and still be in the shade. Direct sun is not great for our skin anyway. Clearly the grass gets enough because it's green and thriving. I swear, I just couldn't talk to this woman because she didn't care about what the rules actually stated, only what the HOA board wanted. They were not even offering to pay for the trees to be cut down or anything. It wouldn't have changed my mind, but thinking I would pay out of pocket to remove numerous trees was insane to me. If you never had to get a tree removed, I can tell you that it's not cheap. I guess they were sick and tired of me insisting they follow their own rules because they stopped asking me to get rid of the trees. Instead, they waited for a day when I would not be home and had a bunch of the trees removed from my backyard until they deemed it to be okay. That alone made me angry, but what they did next made me want to go and act like one of those crazy women on YouTube that scream and throw things. I did not, but I wanted to. Just to clarify, the HOA did not do this in a single day. I was gone for over a week because I had to visit family in a different state a few hours away. However, they started all of this on the same day I left. They sent me a bill for the tree removal and actually expected me to give them the money after they pulled that crap. I did not know much about the law when it came to the HOA cutting down my trees, but it just did not sound right to me. That was when I saw online all the stories of people that had trees cut down by HOAs, neighbors and others and how they sued the HOA and actually won. That is what gave me the idea to get a lawyer and telling him that the HOA removed a bunch of my trees without my permission and I wanted to sue them for the worth of the trees. We had a guy come and see what kind of trees were on the property and how many were destroyed and they found it was worth about half a million dollars. 
I couldn't believe it when I heard a number like that get dropped and what I also learned was that at least in my HOA, when you sign the contract, it's a two-way deal. You are making the agreement to follow the HOA rules, but the HOA is also legally agreeing to fulfill what they promise. One of which is the fact that they need to give notice and have reason to enter a property. They didn't do that, so I was also suing them for violating the HOA contract. I don't think they expected me to sue them or what I was actually suing for at first. They assumed I was mad about the bill and wanted to fight that they were responsible for that cost. Not suing them to actually pay more money than they already had. We ended up fighting outside of court and my lawyer explained that these things rarely go to trial because nobody wants that hassle. Instead, we were supposed to all sit down and the lawyers would work out some kind of agreement that we could compromise on. The HOA, once they found out what I was suing them for, financially clearly wanted to settle without giving me all of that money. They instead wanted to just pay for the tree removal and call it even. I was not giving into that crap and told them that if they paid me the worth of the trees from the estimate, I would not pursue any further criminal charges for destruction of property and trespassing. The past history of the HOA being sued is unknown to me, but it seemed like they would do anything to avoid criminal charges. So they agreed to pay me the money and for the other thing I asked for. I wanted the contract with them to be void since they did not hold up to their end of the agreement and basically I wanted out so they couldn't pull any crap like this on me again. They agreed and I was now the only house in the neighborhood not being part of the HOA. What I didn't know is the second part to the deal wouldn't actually stay relevant for very long. Half a million dollars is a lot of money even for an HOA, so once they had to pay me they did not really have enough to stay afloat. They filed for bankruptcy and the HOA was now no more for anybody. The last thing I want to say is that I know some of you might be curious about what I did with all of that money. I know the stories I read before that didn't tell always had me wondering. I'm sorry to tell you that it wasn't actually that exciting. I used it to pay off my car payment and a good chunk of my home mortgage. Probably the most adult thing one could do once getting that huge amount of money. And here, ripe stars, I hope at some point that people understand tree law and that they understand that it's not worth messing with the trees of your neighbors. Anyway, if you enjoyed the story, please don't forget to like the video and maybe even leave a comment because that would help me tremendously. Either way, the next one is titled Don't Mess With Your Neighbors. My wife, 22 female at the time, and I, 26 male at the time, shopped for a home in 2016 before things got too crazy and we found a small place in a working class neighborhood. We were working on getting the property approved for the FHA loan and in the meantime the seller allowed us to stay there so we could start fixing up the place. It was quite the fixer-upper but we were young and the prospect of sweat equity was exciting. We were surprised that the house was so inexpensive until we got to know our next-door neighbor. Devin was somewhat famous in the neighborhood for finding reasons to call the city over infractions. For example, he would go out at night and measure the distance tires wear from the curb. He filed noise complaints all the time and would intimidate folks on the street with threatening letters. Most memorably, Devin would actually regularly heckle the previous black tenants of the property we were buying from the safety of his elevated backyard. It was on a bit of a hill. What made the property we were buying difficult to qualify for the FHA loan was that the detached garage in the backyard had a sloping roof. The structure was at least 70 years old and was in disrepair. The seller paid to have it torn down, however, this only revealed that one of the walls of the structure was the retaining wall for a huge section of Devon's backyard. 
The 8-foot retaining wall was in bad shape and it leaned in towards my side by nearly 18 inches at the top from the bottom. It looked like it wouldn't take much to fall over and presented itself as a hazard. With permission from the seller, I tore down the retaining wall with the intent of replacing it myself at my own cost. This opened us up to a barrage of creepy, threatening, cryptic letters from Devin, he was gonna sue, we had to have an engineer, a proof of everything, etc. He called the city almost every day. He insisted that we pay for everything despite the fact that it was the roots on his side that were pushing into my property. The code enforcement worker privately agreed with my assessment but seemed coached by Devin's daily calls. Anyway, I decided that I was done dealing with Devin. It was simply too stressful. I did not even own the place. I was was the buyer and the loan would not get approved anyway due to the issue. Neither the seller nor Devin were willing to pay for a new wall and I knew that anything I built wouldn't be good enough for Devin anyway. Before my wife and I gave up and moved out, I hacked a bit at the roots that were the last thing holding Devin's yard in from falling 8 feet down. They were overhanging my side of the property after all, so I would have had to cut them down before building a replacement retaining wall. My guess is that Devin ended up losing about a fourth of his backyard and his fence over the next couple of months to erosion. And yeah, ripe stars Devin definitely got, or well, in this case, lost what he deserved. Good riddance. Anyway, the next one is titled Don't Take My Deposit, Idiot. I moved to California in 2010 and had lined up a house on a three-acre property with a nice-sized detached barn. We were on a rent-to-own to allow time to get settled and secure the loan to buy the property. So we had a standard California rental agreement with the handshake agreement it would not be needed once we purchased a house. A couple little things to fill in, the female owner was a realtor, so there was a reasonable expectation that she knew what she was doing, the husband though was weird. I cannot explain it past that, but part of the agreement was we actually bought the house that was boarded on the property and also they had the detached barn full of their old crap with the agreement that it would be removed by the owners once we purchased. So we move in, things are going fairly good. We have several cats at the time but keep the house cleaned up and we had one cat prone to accidents, but for the most part we kept everything good. Sometime during the winter we have an issue with the septic system, the owner proceeds to let it slip, the septic was not put in legally and was not correct. Okay, they still paid for the repairs. A month or so later, a water line the husband installed to use for watering the horse broke and again, to find out it was not done correctly, this time I was forced to pay for it. Okay, cool. Once I found out about the septic, I started looking for other houses and found one available and we were able to get it. At this point, I give the owner about two months notice. We had done some improvements on the property, including a tech shed for all the horse gear. My stepdaughter loved horses and the horse was hers. So almost immediately, the owner's attitude changes and I realize we are in for a long two months. We are slowly moving into the new house as we have time. During this time, the owner was randomly showing up without 24-hour notice, CA law, attempting to show the house with zero warning, and the best one, she started inspecting the house before we even moved out. At this point, we were about 75% moved, the new house was on 12 and a half acres and we didn't have a pen to put the horse and goats into. One day, I get home from work and we have to call a vet out. Owner's daughter, who used to own the horse, decided to give the horse and our two goats a year's worth of glucosamine supplements for the horse. We ended up with a several hundred dollar vet bill, so we sped things up and ended up clearing a few weeks early. Because of this, there were a few odds and ends left behind, including a wooden run-to for the goats. 
I spent about 500 on cleaning alone to make sure we got our deposit back. I even brought in a professional cleaning service to finish the house up. I spent many times moving from base housing while military, this is common, so we complete the final walkthrough with the owner and she seems happy. She says she will figure everything out and send me a check. Okay, cool. About four weeks after the original move-out date, I get a large manila envelope in the mail from the owner. Strange, but okay, cool. I open it and she is trying to charge me in the neighborhood of 2,500 bucks on top of the 2,000 deposit she is keeping. Okay, lady, let's see what you got. In the envelope is about 10 small mailer envelopes and about 300-ish pictures of various things on the property and in the house. Along that, a six-page letter outlining what I owe her for. So I start reading, couple hundred for trash removal, including a list of items removed and the receipt for removal, several hundreds for paint, during the walkthrough I offered to paint the rooms we had painted, one was an obnoxious cotton candy pink, and the owner said no, it was fine. There's also a charge for close to 3000 bucks for brand new carpeting and high-end padding from Lowe's as well as the receipt and also an itemized charge for labor. I believe there were a few other items, but I don't have the paperwork in front of me. Now, my first reaction was pure rage. I was seeing red. I wrote the nastiest letter to her three different times and took a step back. She had threatened to take me to court. Cue the malicious compliance. I pulled up California rental laws and at the time, there was a great website that explained what an owner could legally charge you for. So I sat down and I believe the entire letter I responded to her with was around 15 pages long. The highlights, I was not responsible for the painting or labor associated with it as I provided the final inspection that didn't note any issues with paint color. I was also not responsible for the trash removal as she listed one item that was ours, the plywood run to in the field, and the items actually listed were all her personal items removed from the detached barn and it was not my responsibility. I was not responsible for paying the emergency plumbing repair mentioned earlier and I provided the bill and the fact it was an emergency as it was flooding over half the property and also making entrance to the property impossible. The best one was the last one, the carpets, so in her letter she mentioned a horrible smell of cat urine which she proceeds to explain occurred during the illegal inspections. She also provided documentation on the cost of materials including all her purchases. The best part, they were all dated prior to our final walkthrough, no matter the result she was replacing that carpet. So California law is very specific on what the owner can charge for carpets but then changed her mind a few days later. So I explained to the letter that I was responsible for roughly one third of the cost of replacement as she graciously showed me the 10 year old carpet was good for 30 years. So due to the fact that it was normal wear and tear, I agreed to cover that portion. It was only a couple hundreds. Now in her letter, she threatened legal action as well. So I put everything together, including a final breakdown of what was owed to her and also what was owed to me. And it was close to 1,500 bucks. I also informed her that I was ready to take the case to court if she didn't agree with me as that was the next legal step. About a month later, she had 30 days to respond, I get a check for 1250 bucks and a short note saying she expected this issue was considered resolved. I've never smiled so much cashing a check. And yeah, ripe stars props to OP for pulling through with this. That is what I call malicious compliance. Anyway, the next one is an am I the a-hole wedding story. My husband and I, 28 male, 28 female, got married recently and my sister, 31 female, and I were discussing the wedding after returning from the honeymoon. We are very fortunate to have grown up in a household where my parents made very good money. They were generous with us but raised my sister and I to be hardworking and not dependent on them as adults. 
My sister and I both do well financially, as does her husband, 36 male. My husband loves his job, but it's not one that has a ton of earning potential. He and I met in college, so I've always known this was his plan, and we are very happy with our setup. During my discussion with my sister, she asked me if my husband and I were planning to use the wedding gift money from my parents to do a particular renovation for which we've been saving, but I was very confused because the gift, while extremely generous and appreciated, was not nearly enough to cover that. She told me how much she had been gifted and it was more than twice what we had been given. After that, I couldn't stop thinking about why I had gotten less, so my sister encouraged me to ask and during a call with my mom, I could not stop myself from asking. Her response was that it wasn't my business, but since I did ask, my sister has chosen a partner that can accommodate the lifestyle she's used to, so they've gifted her accordingly. They also gifted me according to the lifestyle that I have chosen. We are not entitled to gifts of any size in life, but I still cannot help feeling hurt that my parents feel that my husband and I are less deserving than my sister and her husband based on income. Meanwhile, my parents are angry at both my sister and me for having this discussion and bringing it to them. And yeah, ripe stars, let me know in the comments whether you think OP is being the a-hole here or not. A user in the comments said, Comment number one, I think that given your parents' stance, it's time to start giving smaller gifts to them as well. You should make it a point to always give them fewer and smaller things at holidays than you might give your sister or your spouse. If they complain, let them know that they are not entitled to any gifts in life and they should be grateful that they receive anything. Given the modest life you've chosen, then suggest how rude it is to ask about such things instead of being grateful. Spend the money you saved on yourselves. Your parents are petty. NTA. And comment number two also said, not the a-hole. I mean, yeah, you're not entitled to anything, but if your parents are going to go out giving large sums of money, it's damn stupid to do it on the basis of, you didn't marry rich enough for us, so you're just gonna have to deal with that.